Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Happy New Year 2023. That still doesn't ring or roll off the tongue very well. This is Heidi Hatch with KUTV2 News with the illustrious Mara Carabello with the Exoro Group, if you're new to the group, and Greg Hughes, longtime no-see. Yes, yeah. I missed the last podcast. Former I, I had Speaker a, of the House. had a senior moment, and I'm not a senior, so mm-hmm. but it's good to see everyone. We got yeah. the band back together. Yeah, it is good. Everyone have a good holiday season. Holidays were nice. I'm a fan of the snow. It uh, is so beautiful, so much to do. It is yeah. pretty, but it's rained on top of it. And now, and it now just it's looks slushy. Like I trash dump in my and yard because all the leaves came down after it snowed, and then it snowed and then rained. I so saw it just, on the way here some guy raking leaves. Yeah. And I thought that now we are headed into the, the gray snow era. So yeah, I had, no. I had a, a back surgery, not a major one, but a little one, but enough of a surgery that I don't have to shovel snow. What, what was my timing? How good is this? Did you nice. hire someone well or are you making your kids do it? I want my kids to do it. Okay. Yeah. So, so that means they're not. You want them to. I want them to. So Holden did when he came home from college, but the the other the younger one, younger one, he's a little bit. He's not as much. All right, it's been heavy snow. How are your it's holidays? a good workout. Yes, it how was are yours? good, and um, it feels like a blur. I don't usually take a whole week off, but I had between Christmas and New Year, and I finally lived that life where you just don't know what day it is or what you're doing, yeah. and then you come back to work and you're like, oh, I'm thicker than a snicker. I can't <laughs> zip up my dress. <laughs> Got to buckle down and get back to normal everything. So here we are, new year and back at them. So, new year, new asses. Yeah. What, what are you resolving for the podcast this year? What's your resolution with Heidi and I? Yeah. Well, you put me on I know. I just <laughs> thought of this. <laughs> and I have no answer to it. So we're yeah, just so. going to end with your answer. Um, we're going to triple our listening audience. Excellent. I believe really? in us. Okay. okay. Do you so, have any goals for us? So do we know us? what that number I is? Didn't have, I shouldn't have started it because I'd have no goals for us. I need to be better at setting goals. I know a lot of people are big New Year's resolutioners. I'm not because I'm not I feel either. like I'm a resetter as things go by, whether it's my birthday or a new season when the kids get out of mm-hmm. school or I realize I'm off track. I kind of recalibrate then. That's what so, how I think. I think, you know, I don't, I don't like... I don't like to tell you I love you on Valentine's Day. I don't like to set New Year's resolutions. Yeah, the first don't year. tell us what to do, I don't like do, to jerks. be told when to do these things. That's yeah. so you. I will. I refuse to express any love on Valentine's Day. That is just so my. Well, it's a nice day, but like you'd rather get flowers any yeah. other day, just for any reason. That's a lovely just because surprise. Someone told you you had not to. an I obligation. Think, I think flowers are a total waste of money. They die. Everyone's flowers. My husband gets me plants Everything because dies, then they don't Greg. die. <laughs> It that's, is true. Well, that's Just nice. like our love. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is a dark start to I'll the new year. I'll say. 
Jeez. There we go. That's why we need a sun shining. I know. It's been a heck of a start. And we've got to get to a lot of legislative business. Of course, uh, the House Speaker votes that are almost up to like 96,000 votes. It's not really (laughs) I'm looking for some votes. I think I I had some former colleagues say we we might want to give it a go. Okay. You can get this done. All right. Well, we're going to get to that in just a second. But Mara brought in some good news we're going to start off with. And Utah apparently is partially awesome in that we have Delta here and we had a big. Signing deal. Yeah. I, so so I have learned over the years that one of the key indicators for a small to mid-sized city is having these major logistics hubs. So that could be a number of different uh, carriers, but for us, it's Delta Airlines. And it is a really, really big deal to have yeah. Delta here. Beyond it helping to pay for our colossal, I have nothing good to say about it, new airport. Yeah. Um, but it really drives decision-making uh, for businesses to come here. It drives decision-making about volume and transportation yep. and even sort of green enterprises. So having a major airlines here, really big deal. And I understand that um, Salt Lake City has signed one of the longest-term agreements. I think it's through 2044. And so that's a really big deal that Delta is making this commitment to the Intermountain West. Yeah, it, so it, more nonstops will come through here. So if your final destination is Salt Lake, that's that's the nonstops will be everywhere in the country. And Delta, if you look at the major airlines, I I, I don't think I'm biased. I think it's the best of United um, North. What is there's, a, there's United American, American American Northwest. Is that still one? They're, Not anymore. Northwest. Northwest. Southwest. Southwest. I think now no, you're know, down too. You oh, know. I know Southwest. Southwest. But anyway. I think I think Delta is the best. If you look at Atlanta, if you look at their other hubs, those those are, you know, you look at, uh, at DC. That's it's really well traveled. But then anyone that wants to get anywhere that isn't a hub, they have to come through here then to get to their ultimate destination. Yeah. So the traffic, the uh, the jobs, the economic uh, opportunity, it's it's huge, including for, for the whole West Coast. So anyway, it's just the impact that Delta Airlines has made on the health and vibrancy of Salt Lake. And they signed to 2044. I believe that's yeah. true. So it's, it's a, a serious big contract. Contract. deal. It yeah. says in the article that there's not a longer or longer lease than this one right now in, in the country with any airport. So now if they could do something about the four-and-a-half-hour slog to your gate, that'd be swell. Yeah, that, that, it's a disgrace how you have to walk well, between right those now, two Right now, it might be gates. good for me. I could stand to walk <laughs> the they gate. They put a sign. It's, it's like, a New Year's resolution yeah. to walk the Salt the Lake Airport. The sign says it is a seven-minute walk to get to the next concourse. It's a seven-minute walk. And that's, I mean, that's fine, but if you had kids, if you're a young parent and you yeah. have these kids you're trying to wrangle or if you're older and you, I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous that that's not a tram as most airports are, that's, you know, that would take you there yep. from one side to the other. So well, they got a lot of work to do. I don't think about it often, but Delta, thank you for being here and keeping our prices low. So that there's competition as well, mm-hmm. too, you know, yep. so we can Thanks, go on affordable Delta. vacations. Maybe Delta could sponsor the podcast. All right. I'll they call. I'll I'm call sure they're listening. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Who they, doesn't? They're, they're close listeners. They love this show. They love, they love this show. They well, they should. Uh I I don't know if I expected this in the new year. I feel like I've stopped expecting things at this point because it's been a wild run for a few years where the news just doesn't stop. It's just constant. Uh, but the U.S. House is sort of back in session. I guess it's not official till you have a House speaker and you swear everybody in. Um, but this is day three, and we're recording this podcast as of Friday, 3 o'clock, just so you know. I think they've adjourned for now after the 13th vote. It was not a lucky one. I don't know if it was unlucky. 
But McCarthy actually has more votes in the direction that he needs. 15 of the 20 that have been holdouts have moved in his direction. They're reconvening at 10 o'clock at night, which is always interesting because at 10 o'clock at night, will someone be tired and not be able to get up and come? Will they have gone to a bar and had too much to drink? I don't know what's going to happen. I've never, <laughs> I've never been there for these 10 o'clock votes. But uh, I think they're hoping to get her done at 10 o'clock. It may not, and it might be tomorrow. So, uh, Greg, first, because you have been a Speaker of a House mm-hmm. before, a smaller Utah House, but yep. a House nonetheless. Um, does this spell bad things, whether McCarthy wins or not, for Republicans and what they can or cannot accomplish in the next two years in that they've had this fight amongst themselves in the first few days. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say, and I, I protected this opinion before we started. Thank you. You like I don't it, like you to like it coming it. out no. live. I think this is great, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I think that a Speaker of the House ought to fight, scratch, and work their tail off to earn the right to be the Speaker of the House. I think that um, when it's perfunctory, when it's just uh, when it's ceremonial, when it just is taken for granted – um, I think that speaker uh, appreciates less the support of the colleagues or their their role as a presiding officer of that body. I think so. I think that so long as there's an end goal. So my so part of it is I like a speaker that has to fight to get the support of their caucus and or a majority of the votes. The 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 scary part is that you could get those votes from the other side of the aisle. And you could see a power-sharing arrangement because if you want to be a, just a no, and that's, that is the thing about the legislative body. There is no room for protest votes in a legislative body. You have to be voting substantively, you'd like. Uh, either you want the status quo or you want to move the needle. When you're voting for a speaker, if you don't want this speaker, where are your 217 or 18, 218 votes for the speaker? You have to go get it. These are, this is math. Yeah. So I like that it's not that they're putting thought to it, that they, there's things that they want to reform. I looked at the list of the Freedom Caucus. It's stuff that our Utah legislature does every day. We do amend bills on the floor. I guess it's been up or down since 2016 or something where you can't amend a bill on the floor. I'd love for a reason for uh, members of Congress to actually go on the floor of their chamber and maybe actually amend a bill. I think that's a very healthy thing. Uh, some of those changes that they wanted are things that you would find in, I think, red or blue state state legislatures, that's just an average day on how they move legislation and how they vote on it. I think they've, so I, I, I think that the requests that are being made uh, for me as having been a lawmaker look very familiar to the process. I think having to fight to get those votes, I think that's a healthy thing, but they better be careful because at some point if it feels too personal and it doesn't feel substantive, you may you may go look for your vote so somewhere else. Greg just manifested what I want to mm. see happen this week, and I wish it would, and I think yeah. the Democrats have sat out too long. But what I wanted Hicking Jeffries to do two days ago was to say, Kevin, come here, because it would have been so smart, such smart disruption, and disruption that I'm in favor of, which is I'm going to leave my party label behind a little, and I'm going to just negotiate and talk. And had... The Democrats come in with less demands on committee assignments, less demands on rules of order. I do think a couple of the demands of the Freedom Caucus, particularly ones that are associated with how quickly you can change leadership, that's just jerk for being a jerk's sake. So I think some of it is going to Like we only need one member now? Yeah, and I think that just means we're going to see some more grinding of gears because the frank reality is they're not as functional as state government is right now, so it won't work out well. So I don't think some of the demands were reasonable. I really wish that a new leadership 
um, team for the Democrats would have been clever enough to sit down and say, we'll give you the votes. We'll give you those. Let's talk about it. And I would suggest that they should have put fewer restrictions. And and what I would have asked for, the one thing I would have asked for, is that there was some kind of public um, accounting by McCarthy of what the relationship is. So... I heard people say, well, McCarthy knew this was coming all along. Why didn't he get these votes uh, by the time it was time to vote? Well, for the 20 that weren't going to vote for him, why didn't they get more than just a mere 20? So I've been terrified that this this whole thing would happen. Um, Willie Brown, who was the Speaker of the House mm-hmm. of the California Assembly from 1980 till 1995. In 94, they lost the majority. The Democrats lost the majority in their assembly, state assembly, and he still stayed the Speaker. He took Republicans and he... Gave them committee spots. Right. He did something that got him the number he needed with a minority of Democrats, but enough votes to still be the speaker. When I was uh, nominated to be speaker, that is a, a – we do it a little differently in Utah. It's, the Democrats don't vote for their minority leader, and then the Republicans vote for, for in my case, me. The, the, the minority leader was Brian King at the time. He seconded the nomination for me to be speaker, and the whole body voted for me. And it sends this signal that you are the presiding officer of the whole but house. But that's what would have been cool, is yeah. that McCarthy could have been the speaker for the house instead of his tribe. And right now they're just tribe fighting. And so the PR for the Republicans is horrible right now. This sort of over um, analysis, the making fun of Kevin McCarthy, frankly, is not good for him. I think it's, I think it's frankly... Has he been it's, weekend as it's a late night? It's, it's just more, it's cheapened, not we'll, weakened. We'll move perhaps. on. I think in the, in the event it feels this way, but I think that, we'll, I think that the, the, some of the requests I've read, I think a lot of those are legitimate. I do, I do know there's some personal attacks going on, especially with Representative Matt Gates. He's, he's over the top. But I'll just say this. Um, I think it's, again, going back to my original statement, I think it's healthy for the Speaker to have to earn the votes necessary to become Speaker. I think that's a good thing. You think it's Um, healthy to have that happen through the voting process? Because how it's traditionally done is how you did it, frankly. It's prior to the public I would have thought that it was done prior, and I think him moving into that office ahead of time was a misstep for him. I never darkened the door of the Speaker's office till the calendar year. I stayed in my whip. Majority yeah, I mean, I, I do like your comparisons, but you have two-thirds Republicans, and you worked your caucus yeah. for but, six months but prior. But to your point, get this. So in in Ohio, when this is going on, uh, there was a power-sharing agreement, and the very conservative uh, member of the Republican caucus, and they have a strong majority right. in Ohio, uh, he was being called Speaker-elect. They two hours before that vote, uh, the moderates of the Republican caucus in Ohio teamed with all thirty, all the Democrats, and they elected a moderate uh, speaker. And, and that's I would have I would have hoped that, that just that's happened what this the Democrats week. would have done is it, it would have allowed <laughs> us to shake up that that the body. And I don't know why. And Jeffries could have had that moment because he's also new to his position, right? Yes, he's brand and new. And you could have made this coalition of moderates. I, who follow the rules? I think it would have been so. Cool. I was terrified I don't think about it's that. Yeah, no, I, don't I don't think, think they were now, thinking but... in that direction. No, though. I think for them it's funny just watching. But interestingly enough, as I just think that assumption where he kind of moved into the office and didn't do the work that says to me that he wasn't being the leader that you want in there. And I think people have become so accustomed to um, Nancy Pelosi, and she's sort of like the Godfather. I don't. I mean, she had her you know left wing right. squad that she had to deal with. But I think she had, like, such 
omnipotent control that it, there was no question, you know, there'd be a few people who would run like Ben McAdams who would run saying, you know, I'm not going to vote for her, but she had people fall in line because she's like, listen, I'm the boss. And this you'll is do what what I one say thing that's curious though, is the tradition is that the Republican party has much more discipline over their caucuses. The tradition I is said the opposite, that, actually. that Democrats, um, scatter. They have a harder time at conventions. They have a harder time wrangling their tent. Um, that has not way, been true I, over the last couple of years. Last I was couple say, of years, in Washington, the I think they're way more disciplined. Well, not well, not disciplined. They just fall in line. They do line. what they're told. They yeah, really see, do. That is not my impression no? of them. No, but I, I think that the Republicans now officially have two or three major schisms that almost make them truly variations on on the same party. I think I think they're pretty far apart I, on some I, things. I, no, well, I. We got other issues, but I, but I, I, I think generally what's being asked for, by way of changes are not that. I think that that legislative body has gotten so far away from what a legislative body is supposed to be doing and how it's supposed to function. Those those so-called conservative demands are just bread and butter. No, legislative there is processes. not a version of good government that those wackadoodles are off. They want the NRCC, and it would no. it would be the same with the DCCC to right. quit being who gets to decide. Who, it's how much money you raise but gets to be the their, chair. Most they want of their the, that connection to be gone away. Their own personal journeys on committees. The, 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 so yeah. there might be that out there. What I read was process that they want to change that that we a don't do. It, I, it wasn't the way we did it here as I experienced it. And there are things that I think that should be offensive to Republicans and Democrats alike. There were some things that seemed, um, and I've, a lot of it's not on paper that we haven't seen yet, but I heard Andy Harris, who I think is a newly elected congressman, um, not yet sworn in from Maryland. He was speaking and he flipped his vote this last time. And he was talking about some of those things that would get you back to the basics of Utah where you couldn't pass, you know, a 4,000 page bill and give right. everyone an hour to vote on it. I think that's common sense that, I mean, it's silly that we have to make rules. So those things matter. But, um, yeah, there's been a little pettiness going on. For uh, a whole I, lot. I, I think fighting for those votes, I think that's I, I think that's going to be fine. I just as long as it stays on the merit, as soon as it looks like it's just so self-serving, you and people start getting emotional, especially those 200 that have been voting the same way for right. how many times they may. If once it gets personal and it's not substantive anymore, they may go and look to power share. I will say on a, a note, it does feel like it's changing its rhythm. You know what I mean? First two days, I was like, "Oh, we're we are everyone's staying." Now you're starting to hear conversations about voting present more. You're starting to hear layers of strategy. I feel like it's getting ready to shake loose. I feel like they're going to make a decision tonight. Uh, is it going to be McCarthy, or are we going to have to scratch it and start all over this weekend? I think it's going to be McCarthy. Okay, what do you think? I do, too. I think I think going 13 votes and still still staying there and saying that we're going to get there, I I think the writing would have been on the wall. He would have had to, of those 200, they would have had to start breaking ranks pretty quickly for him to realize he's not. They seem like they're staying enough, solid. Depending on what he agrees on, too, the question is, will it stay McCarthy? <laughs> Well, yeah. That's, or they're like, that's, I mean, giving away the baby with the bathwater and I mean, you're That's out. an interesting question well, it, about whether we have a have a new uh, sort of protocol about how long a speaker stays. Well, look, if you're the 200, what you don't want to be is the one that was there the whole time. And then the 20 that got away with this just starts doing this every day now. That's right. And then they're the – and so there's, the, there's those dynamics. Yeah. We're all human beings. And that's why I have just said, okay, great. I love that they're trying to bring these important reforms because I agree with these reforms. You better be careful you don't find them going over the Democrats and power sharing, and then we're worse off than we were if we kept the majority of Republicans together. So. Mm, be careful what you ask for. Yep. All right.
when we meet again next week, hopefully there will be a new speaker, a new speaker that we can talk about. Uh, here in Utah, speaking of the legislature that works so nicely here, uh, there's a lot of money to be spent. There's tax cuts on the line. And legislative leaders have met in the last few days talking about what their priorities are compared to what the governor laid out. And it seems like water and the Great Salt Lake are a top priority. School vouchers are a top priority. Um, Leadership's also saying no go to the free UTA fares. Is this something that the legislature, Mara, should be giving the governor, you know, at least a discussion on? Or are they right that we already fund the, you know, ride share enough that... What it certainly is, is the majority's prerogative, you know, more than right or wrong, it's their prerogative. And so I I would have liked to have given, I, I, I thought the governor did a good job attempting to say it's a pilot project, therefore it keeps the cost down. Therefore, what I'll bring you back is sort of measurable results. This is a project that I like, actually, and I thought that he did well to temper it. What is certainly in the prerogative of the people who are responsible for the purse strings, and I mean, it's a misnomer for us to think that when we have a lot of money, we have a lot of money, right? Like the heavy years of a lot of resources have higher demands. But uh, what was clear and is very much the prerogative of the majority, and you saw this in the House, the House yesterday held their press conference that laid out theirs, and I think you saw Representative Schultz say, hey, there's no free rights. So, and, it was pretty, <laughs> and so I, I actually, what I have appreciated always about our leaders is that they, I appreciate leaders who um, aren't tricky, who tend to just yeah. lay out there what their journey is. It's not, it doesn't mean that it's dead. It means that if leadership isn't there, it's really, really, really hard. So it likely is, but I like that they're laying out their agenda, and this was certainly one they weren't biting on. I always wonder how many people pay anyways. I know there's a lot of people who have passes, but... Well, Greg would know this better than I, but it's it's already 87% subsidized. So it feels like to get to 100 isn't sort of a huge measure. Here's the thing. It's fair box recovery. And there's been stories of people that are pilfering employees that were stealing money from that. Um, They don't have people like in other transit authorities that check your tickets. Yeah. As a matter of fact, they do it randomly. Um, So how much they're getting in fare box uh, recovery or or fare box revenue, it's not a, not a, a large amount. It doesn't take the legislature to make it free. Just all they have to do is not charge. They, but what they want is the state to give them the equivalent of what that fare would be. They want to say, okay, we're not going to ask the people for it. We want you, to, the state of Utah, to pay us to, to, to the transit authority that amount. What I would say is this. If you make it free and you don't ask for the state to replace that money, but you get higher ridership, your ability to pull down federal grants based on ridership go up, there's all kinds of reasons why that should be free, but you don't need the state of Utah to pay you for being free. Just make it, don't charge the fares, see the ridership go up and see the benefit that comes from that increased ridership. So I, you know, I just think it's a little bit, it's not exactly accurate that it's up to the state of Utah or its legislature to decide whether the, the fare for UTA is, is free or not. They can do it. They can do it tomorrow. If they want to fund it, can they fund cleaning too? I know I've complained about this before, (laughs) but I like to ride it sometimes when it's super snowy outside or I don't want to deal with it or, you know, I'm trading off cars with kids. But sometimes when I'm going there in my work clothes, it is just filthy and I'm like, okay, do I need to bring a towel to sit on or whatnot? And I'm like, seriously, could we not have put some vinyl seating in that could have been wiped off with a rag instead of this nastiness? I'm surprised to hear that because I know that when I was on the board way, way back when, we felt that ridership had 
very like on time arrival. You had to have in the upper ninety percent on time arrival if you want that. to do yeah. that. Yeah. But cleanliness, cleanliness is a big deal for the reasons that you've brought up. If you're if you're a choice rider, meaning you have a car, but you're going to get on there because you can do other things while you're doing whatever it be, you don't you, you can't get dirty going there and like if you're going to work or you're doing something. So the cleanliness of the car is actually usually prioritized pretty high in terms of wanting to promote higher ridership. So yes, Heidi, your 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 question is, should they? Yes, they should. If they want that right, everything's about ridership. They don't they they can't justify their existence if they don't have ridership. Yeah. That grows as, as traffic gets longer and congestion failure grows because we're a growing population in a valley. People use mass transit or want to. Um, if it's dirty, they're not going to want to. If it's on, not on time, they're not going to want to. If, it, if there's not connecting, you know, if it takes too long to get somewhere and it's totally unreasonable, they won't use it. Those are things you have to overcome. And I thought UTA was on a great trajectory that way, but sounds like your experience hasn't I don't know. Every way. once in a while you get on and there's Cheeto bar from the floor and you're like, <laughs> what do you do? Someone just did it and they haven't had time to clean it up. But just the seats in general are kind of filthy and it just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you can fix that because, I mean, if you, people get can. on there that are dirty and you've got, you know, the fabric right. seats, maybe they just chose the wrong. They can, they, every night they can fix those, those, those trains don't run 24 seven. It's no, true. Every one of those, those trains should be clean. Yeah. So many, hum. that's just my two cents from someone who rides tracks on occasion. That's a Deep good one. thoughts by me. Um, <laughs> when we're looking at the legislative session as well, uh, I think they have under two weeks until they get started. Uh, there's a lot of people talking online about where the money should go, and I think a lot of people are still saying, uh, if you're going to cut taxes, you've really got to cut it in food. Mara Greg, uh, I know we've talked about this before. You can tell me who's going first on this one, but where should they be cutting the taxes? Are you really going to get the most bang for your buck if they cut um, on our paychecks or – do we need that mental cut on the food tax to make it better for us? So one of the things I like that are that always are being considered is not only where do we need the cut from perhaps the voter point of view or the household point of view, but where do the, we need the cut from a balanced budget point of view? I mean, there's sort of two sides matters, to that yeah. equation about where taxes are obliged to go depending on. So it, inf- it impacts the distribution of the money as well as it clearly impacts the taxpayer. Mm -hmm. And I think we are looking at both sides of that. I do know that um, food is being presented again this year, and I actually am more optimistic about a food cut than I usually am. I usually see really big resistance. I felt like there were some little gaps of consideration. Mm -hmm. One thing should be clear from my seat, leadership is saying we're still thinking about it. We have not come in with predetermined. Now, they seem to be very predetermined, as is the governor, about giving some um, taxes back. But um, but where and in what configuration, I think they, they are also looking at their ability to distribute money. And um, I think that I weigh higher on the side of the taxpayer than I do about the ability to distribute yeah. money. But yeah, necessity is a mother invention, right? So whatever you're receiving, you can you can do with you can be efficient with what you're receiving, whether it be and so income tax goes generally to public schools. It goes mm-hmm. to you know school, children related health care now as well. But but that's different than your sales tax that the state collects or property tax the state collects. That can that's the general fund. And, and so where you cut taxes, to Mara's point, it, it, it goes into these different pots. I love a payroll tax. I love people being able to take more home, more, more of their paycheck home every single uh, pay period. I think that money gets injected back into the economy, into those homes. Uh, and I think that with what we're seeing with 
high costs of fuel, of energy, of groceries. I just think people, you know, people having more money, more in their pocket of what they earned, there's no, there's no downside to that. So I'm really bullish on the payroll tax and on income tax cuts. Um, well, income tax, but I love payroll tax as well. Um, but, but food, the weird thing about food for me is that we cut the state portion of the sales tax on food when I was a lawmaker, and I did not feel any celebration or big moment where the people collectively said, wow, we're so grateful this has been taken off and that we're, we're better off today. In, in, in other words, it just kind of was a, like, a lamb. It was, you know, we, we talk about it like it's the biggest deal, but it was just a lamb. It was just very quiet. You nobody, needed a little cared. more love back. You just, you did simple, the right yeah, thing. I guess a simple thank you would have been a nice. A simple thank yeah. you. Yeah. You, you, you look at not taking it off and the, the sky's falling, but when we took it off, there was just no, nothing. It was just crickets. I feel like there. I'm getting robbed at the grocery store anyway, so I don't know if I would It would you know, make a difference. Yeah, it's still, I mean, I don't know. too high. Yeah, I mean, right now you get a dozen eggs for $8.99. Yeah. They're not special eggs that got to run free <laughs> or anything like that. They're just like stupid eggs. Yeah. I know, yeah. it's almost getting to the point with steak prices going down that you could feed your kids for breakfast steak easier than eggs, you know, so prices wow. these days. Yeah. Got to watch how it's protein moving. Protein advice like there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think it will be interesting to see how they deliberate. But to Greg's point, one of the challenges that we have had over the past several years has been communicating why and what taxes were given. Yes. Um, the Republican leadership has taken a go at taxation uh, in the, about the last three or four, five, six sessions, even though each of them had very different variables when it came to the economy. And I really think that if they – if the legislature sort of renowned for not spending enough time, in my mind, on public communications. In their defense, it's because they're busy doing other things. It's not negligence. And it's a part-time gig, truly. Right. So they're just not full-time. So I'm not good throwing at it. it out as a fault, yeah. but it, to Greg's point about if people don't understand and don't feel connected, sell us on sometimes doing, yeah. really good stuff falls flat. Yeah. All right. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I do want to mention that there's going to be some quick elections and business happening uh, before the legislative session. State Senator Karen Maine stepping down. She's been battling cancer for a year, um, ran again, won, but um, it sounds like she had a turn in her health, and so she is stepping down. Uh, Representative Karen Kwan says that she wants to run to fill her seat. If she were to win, then we'd have to fill then Kwan's seat. So it looks like there's going to be some movement on the Democrat side, at least, before the session starts. We have three late breakers, I say. As Who else I'm, did I'm I miss really, out on? No, no, I mean, he, he announced... Uh, last week, 60. Robertson. Uh, oh, yeah. Here's what's interesting about, Forgot about all that. of this. If, if I just want to complain as the only person who cares about when the legislative guide is published, <laughs> is um, so what was interesting about these are that they all delayed their decision-making and the election. The um, main seat's election is scheduled the day before the convening, and the Utah County seat is convened two days before. So you're looking at um, the 14th of January and I think the 16th of January, and that's when they're going to decision-make. That is that – you're giving that person – a day to get ready for the session. And I, I would have loved to have seen more time. And as you suggest, I mean, I will say in Karen Maine's seat, I think there are five or six people now, yeah. including, you know, Corey Rushton, who is, who has been elected as well. So you'll see some competitiveness, although I would suspect that a sitting representative has a good leg up on a Senate seat with Karen Kwan, but, and she would be ready for the session as, as already elected, yeah. but then you'd replace her with someone new. So we'll have three people 
who will have just been chosen to serve within, you know, 72 hours. Which is wild. The if anyone has a schedule where they can literally drop everything for a few yeah. months and go for it. So, yeah. all right. So it, that should be will. exciting. It's, there's a lot to absorb, too. It's the fastest session, shortest session, I think, in the United States in terms of its uh, work days. It's 30-something work days, 45 calendar days. A lot of part-time legislatures uh, are three months, four months. I mean, I do Arizona's a part-time legislature, but they mm-hmm. start in January, and they don't finish until they're finished. And that can take them up to May if, if necessary. So, I appreciate um, they give themselves time, but if you have other commitments and jobs, I don't know how you do that, where you're yeah, like, yeah. wait for it. You, you wait change the makeup it. of your body. If you're, if, you, if, you're, if you're part-time legislature is that long, yeah. there's not a normal job you could have. You would have to be retired or independently wealthy, or your employer would, would see a benefit for you. Being in the, in, in the legislature, we in Utah still, I think it's a, a swath of everyday life. I think you see people of all, you know, walks of life, professions, all kinds of things in you our legislature. You see every kind of home builder and realtor there oh, is. So I mean, fun. like, it's just every I kind. I see educators. I see law enforcement. <laughs> I see bus drivers. I've seen I, I, I am see impressed, though, that we have it's doctors true. and other people that it's somehow true. have the ability to go. Physicians. So I'm thinking, no one would give me that time well, off Well, because it go, is. I mean, these guys are working really hard and yeah. long hours, and it isn't just the 45 days. I mean, I, I am going to say that it's special a, sessions. Special and sessions and interim, interim days and committee hearings, and there is not a good legislator who's not taking constituent calls all the time and having extra meetings and those who are serious about their bills are doing research for months in advance and holding it's their true. own meetings. So they're working. Yeah, there, it, it, yeah, there's a lot of work getting ready for that quick session that you do throughout the year. Before we finish up today real quick, uh, Greg, do you have any pet projects that you would like to, to hear about before the legislative session that you're like, all right, come on, baby, this is what I want to pass? And we'll make sure to kill it for you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Greg. Yeah, no, I, I'll I'm tell just going to take I, some notes. I'm excited because I hear a lot of optimism about parental choice and education vouchers. I keep hearing that there's uh, support with the governor's office, with legislative leadership. Uh, I was in the legislature in 06 or 07 when we passed, and it, and it didn't go well. There was a referendum and uh, to re- reverse it, and it was ugly. It was very ugly. And uh, if we've gotten to a place in Utah where we can pass that and – and hold on to it and provide that choice and give kids different educational options, I think that's going to be a big, big deal. From a political process point of view, vouchers are probably the most interesting. because it is very much so. We have considered it uh, twice in referendums and, and, and um, initiatives. We've considered it in bill form. Huntsman was the first really to talk about it, right? Yes. And as Greg is suggesting, there have been a lot of off-cycle negotiation on this. It appears as though... Um, and the carriers have talked to everybody. And in the meantime, the wisdom of the legislature has made referendums even harder. So <laughs> if you don't like vouchers, it's well, even it's harder. it's not dancing with the stars. You know, just even raw harder. You know, democracy. It's not, from you sort of call a, in. You a true political process, this is the one to watch. Um, I'm, of course, unduly watching water bills. Uh, I know that it's the topic of... Um, it's sort of a hot topic right now, but there are issues well beyond the Great Salt Lake. I understand the Great Salt Lake is an enormous issue, but I ha- I'm hearing more voices. I think it's worth considering. One of the beautiful things about Utah is we're an arid state, but we live in very different arid zones. Yeah. And so Utah needs to start viewing water as a singular state issue, and yet it is a locally applied issue. I think the drought's over. I don't even know what you're talking about anymore because you know know. what? The four of the five top 
this is snow, why Greg Hughes is a problem. A ski resorts. Four of the five are in Utah. The fifth is in Alaska. We have more snow. We have more water than we know what to do with. I'm tired more. of all the snow. For this I'm month until it stops snowing for the next three it months. Was, been, are you I like plugging your hose been, back in and just letting it run? It's been precipitating since... October, November, it's just yeah. not stopped. We're done here. We have to be yes. done. If this doesn't get you out of a drought, well, uh, how can we go through this forever? We can't. It's just too much. I'm I've been rolling just around let it, my snow like Scrooge Let it heat up. Money. Just let it go oh, up then. Ooh, I, I'd rather have 50-degree winters. If, we, if this isn't it, then give me 50-degree winters. I'm letting you speak uninterrupted because this is the part where you're going to show this to your children as a cautionary <laughs> tale of who not to be. No, so water's got so much going on. So I'm 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 watching. But don't I be a water psycho. Some people are psycho right now. So I posted a video the other day of you know how after you scrape your driveway and your weight and the plows finally come by and then the plows basically lock you into your exactly. driveway. And this snow was so heavy. It was just like thick, wet, icy junk two days after the fact. So my uh, husband, son and myself were out there digging it and it was so heavy that we were just getting it anywhere out of the way and someone's just like you really need to be putting that on your grass. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't even care at this point. Yeah. I know that water matters. Your dormant grass. But I've got like yeah. three feet of snow on my grass at this point that we've shoveled on there. If I shoveled this you in the road. Tell them stay out of a grown person's business. Tell them to move on. Don't rocks. tell you what to do. It's too heavy. I, I told you, I, I am not in shape right now, and I cannot carry that onto my grass. It's just going to get shoveled into the road. Well, and a shout-out to your city. Your city is one of the most conservation-friendly. Yeah. Um, you you guys are rocking it. If anybody's looking for a rock star on conservation on a municipal level, they All should. All right. Shout-out to Sojo. Look at guess what, Sojo. though? When you use less water, guess what happens? Oh, Re- stop Revenue it. to the stop water it. company goes down, and then it they have true, to they have to fire rates. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. So, there's always like a problem. It's always, it's always Chicken in the egg. Always a problem. We do need water though, because showers are nice. Drinking water's nice, and I love water skiing in the summertime. So, <laughs> anyhow, God bless water. We need yeah. more of it. But by the way, it's it, like I said, it's the heavens that are solving this uh, drought. It's not some bill someone's running. So you're suggesting that Spencer just, Cox's call yeah. to pray yeah. worked? That we got to pray just praying. to make he's it today. Stop. It's just praying. He's praying too much. <laughs> Isn't I'm that just MC Hammer? It's just like working too much. Too worthy right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm saying it's just it's like it's just a, a never too, stop. Stop well, praying. Wow. I've had enough. We're too blessed. I wish yes. I was fast enough to pull up the music so we could just bump out with it. But I'm not. So we're just going to have to use the regular old music. Until next week.